I tell you, I'm really excited about today's message. I'm always excited about the message, whether uh, it's not just me preaching, whether it's Jackson or others. And so I'm just excited to hear the word of God. I love to hear God's word just being applied to our life, come to life uh, uh, every time I hear it, and to be able to just uh, look at it with a microscope. Um, God's word is living, it's breathing. It's not just dead words from dead people, okay? The people are dead, but the words aren't, okay? The words aren't, they are alive. And that's the reason why we have God's word is because it, it can apply to our life. This is written for us, it's written for you. Okay, it's a handbook for life. Many people try to go through life on their own without any kind of handbook, okay? I don't know about you, <laughs> when I try to put things together like a shelf, I never, never look at the instructions. I just don't, okay? Uh, my wife is coughing, uh, clearing her throat, because uh, it's true, she's agreeing with me. And um, so whenever we try to do things on our own, it messes it up. And trust me, I've messed many things up when I did not look at the instruction manual right here, instruction manual. I know it's, I know it's really, really big, okay? There's not, you know, uh, there's a lot of words in here, I grant it. Uh, there are some things in here you may not understand. There's some things in here I don't understand. But can I tell you something? The more you spend time with God, the more the spirit comes inside, I mean, is, is talking to you as the spirit comes inside you, as God's spirit lives in you, as you accept Christ as savior, and he speaks to you through his spirit, these words will come to life and these words will be applied to you and you'll be like, oh, that's how that applies to me. Or wow, I did not know that. And as you're able to look through God's word. And so this is huge. So don't overlook God's word. And if you're just uh, joining us or, or just listening uh, online or watching online uh, at lakepointonline.com, you, um, you, let me catch you up to speed. Some of you, most of you probably already know this because we've been walking through this through characters in God's word. We started uh, a little over a year ago and uh, these characters, we've been trying to uh, hang out with them, just kind of go on a, an extended vacation. You learn a lot about people if you go on vacation with them, okay? <laughs> and some of you are like, I don't want to go on vacation with them ever again, you know? Or some are like, hey, they're fun. They pay for all of our meals, you know? I want to go on vacation with them. I love going on vacation with, like, uh, my mom uh, or dad or, or Suzanne's parents because they pay for, like, all the food and stuff. We're like, yes, you know, and it's awesome. Um, but... We're, we've been going on an extended vacation with several biblical characters, and we started off with Nehemiah and Esther and Daniel, and, and they were kind of around uh, the middle of, of uh, God's story, and so they were at a time when Israel was, uh, was not really following the Lord. Okay, and there's many times where Israel wasn't following the Lord, but this is a time where they were actually exiled to other countries. And so uh, during those characters, we, we saw God continue to speak to them, even though they weren't even home. And uh, now they cried out to God, and God answered the prayer and brought them back home, allowed them to rebuild back at home. We saw that with Nehemiah and building the walls back. And then, so we went from there and we went back in time to where Israelites all began. And that was with Father Abraham. And so we walked through Abraham and hung out with him for a little while. Uh, Joseph hung out with him a little while. Moses, Joshua, and now we find ourselves after Joshua. Uh, Joshua has died 
The Israelites do not have a leader. They have crossed over into their promised land that God promised Abraham many, many, many years ago. And so they're in their promised land. They have defeated some enemies, but they have not defeated all of them. And Joshua has died, and Israel is there without a leader. And let me tell you something. Weird things happen whenever there's no leadership. You ever notice that? When there's not a leader around? Suzanne and I, when we go on a date, you know, we enjoy those times, but we don't bring our kids. Obviously, or it wouldn't be a date. And so we, um, we leave the kids at home. <laughs> and so many times, even during our day, we're like, I wonder if the house is standing, if one of the kids have been tied up, um, you know, if there's an injury or whatever. I mean, there are times we can't even reach our children because we don't like have a house phone. And so some of the kids, their phones work and some don't. We're like, Lord, just trust, just bless and protect and everything. But I tell you, when, when we are away, um, things go a little, a little bit crazy. You know, we, we kind of find out from other kids. Like we say, I'll give you $3 if you tell me what happened. <laughs> it's okay to pay your children. So anyway, so we find out really what happened when, when we were away. And, and, and things happen that normally wouldn't happen be, uh, when mom and dad are normally at the house, but they did because we were away. When there's no leadership, when there's no godly leadership, sin will flourish. And I'm not saying they're like having big old parties or anything, but bring it back to us. When there's no leadership, think of it in our society. When there's no godly leadership, sin will flourish. We see that today in our, in our country. Over the last few decades, we've seen sin just rise up and have its heyday and have its party. Why? Because there's a void of godly leadership. Now, it doesn't mean that godly leadership doesn't exist in some pockets, yes, but, but in overall scheme of things, there's no godly leadership. There's just, we're, we're, we're void of that in some areas. And so we're paying the price, even as a country. When, when you and I, when we don't have godly leadership, meaning we, if we've not placed God in that position of leader, God, lead me, guide me with your word, and you don't spend time with him, and you don't acknowledge him in your life, and you don't put him first with the decisions in your life, then guess what? You and I, we're going to fall into sin. And when you're falling into sin, there's a good indication that you have, you have a void of godly leadership in your life whether it be um, not spending time with God or not being at church and not being in a small group. I mean, you could see, I see it all the time. Families, they just start tanking. Marriages, uh, parenting, their kids. Everything starts slowly but surely tanking down. And you can see when they stop going to church, when they stop reading God's word, when they stop putting God in the position of leadership, things go south. And sin flourishes. That's what happened to Israel. Whenever Joshua died, they didn't have a leader. No leadership. So uh, what happened is they, they, begin to, they begin to adopt the worship of other gods by their surrounding countries. The nations that they should have killed off, but they didn't. They kept them around. They've allowed them to infiltrate into their society, even uh, allow their daughters to marry them, marry into their family and that's, that was a no, no from God, but they, but they did in any way. 
and they worship their gods. And, and so what God did, he's like, okay, you're going against my decree. You're going against I mean, commandment number one. That's why I have no other gods before me. And you can't even, you can't even obey commandment number one. So what God did, he oppressed them by sending some enemy over to them, the Philistines and other, other enemies, the Amorites. And so throughout a span of over 300 years after Joshua died and before Saul became king, the first king of Israel, a little over 300 years, uh, you had this pattern that erupted uh, to where the people would fall away, they would worship other gods, God would send oppression, he would send people to attack, and then he would raise up a leader called a judge. And the judge would, and it's not really a judge like, you know, Judge Judy, you know, you see on TV, but it's a judge like uh, someone who is a deliverer is another word for this. So someone who delivers them out of the hands of whatever enemies there. And so, but the people cried out for that and God would provide. And after that judge died, you know what happened? The same thing happened. They would fall into sin. They would go uh, worship other gods and uh, God would send oppressors. They would cry out, oh God, please help us. Please help us. And then he would send a deliverer and a judge and he would rescue them. Judge would die and it would repeat over and over and over again for over 300 years. During that time, there was a span of about 12 judges. And you could read about those judges in the book of Judges. God's word. Some weird stories in there. Students, you ought to read some of those. There's some really freaky stuff that uh, yeah, I think you'll really enjoy. Um, but there's some, but Judges is a, um, it's a book that shows that God, God will hear our prayer. God will hear our cry. And it doesn't matter how many times we fade away. It doesn't matter if God will send a redeemer. We just got, the band just got there singing a song, I'm redeemed. Okay, and it doesn't matter how much I'm falling away. If we pray out to God, cry out to God, God will redeem us. He will send us, obviously he sent us Jesus, his savior, his son as a savior. But God continued to do that and God was faithful to the Israelites. That's the bottom line message of judges. Well, we're gonna hang out with one of those judges today. Uh, And you may not even know that this guy was a judge, but he was, um, and it started off as an angel visit. An angel came to a, a young girl, and uh, this angel said, you are going to have um, a son, and there's going to be something very special about him. And in fact, something we need you to do, we need you to mark him and to set him apart so he will remember where he came from. We need you to make sure you don't cut his hair. Don't cut his hair. Don't put a pair of scissors ever on his hair. And so the, the judge I'm talking about, some of y'all know, is Samson. Samson was born with an amazing amount of strength. So think of four Oh, the Hulk, maybe not that big, or not green. But think of, think of Thor, and think of the power of Thor and the long hair. You know, that right there could be Samson. And so 
Samson had amazing strength and that strength came from God. It did not come, you know, from, um, from a, in a P90X, you know, workout. It did not come from roids. It did not come from those things. It, it came from God's strength, God's power. And, but one thing that set him apart is that the, uh, he was a Nazarite and, and Naz- Nazarenes would not cut their hair and they were set apart for God. And that was their sign for that, that they were set apart for God's service. So, uh, so uh, God raised up Samson as a deliverer for Israel. What a great deliverer. Can you imagine Thor? Can you imagine Thor, president of the United States? Or, or Thor as, as someone who leads our, our military? You know, that'd be awesome. So that was Samson as the great deliverer for the people. Well, one thing about, about Samson <clears throat> that you're going to find is that he was the strongest man, obviously, that has ever lived. And Samson's strength was legendary, but he's notorious not only for his strength, but for his weaknesses. You see, Samson, even though he was a judge and he was set apart and deliverer and he was called and set out by God, he was a messed up dude. So think of your, think of your D1 best athlete. Okay? You may have somebody on your, on your college football team okay? or in your sport or your NFL team or, or maybe basketball team, you know, whatever. Just, so just think of a, th- that amazing athlete. Sometimes, and this isn't always for all the athletes, but some athletes, they've kind of got this ego about them, right? I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, you're, you're really good at what you do. You stand uh, two heads taller than everybody else. You've got amazing strength. You can get anything you want. You've got millions of dollars. I mean, all of that goes to your head, and, and it feeds something we call an ego. And Samson had a very, very bad ego problem. He did. And, um, and so during today's message, I've got an acronym for ego that we're going to follow. Ego, for today's message, means edging God out. Edging him out. Moving God to the side. Moving God away from the center of your life. Pushing him aside. He's, he's, He's there. He's kind of on the perimeters that you wave to him. But he's not in the center of your life. He's not leading you. You're not following him. And so that's what Samson did. Even though he was called by God, Samson chose to edge God out because of an ego. Now, how did he do that? How did, how did Samson edge God out? And, and more importantly, how do we edge God out? Some of these might be very similar to your life. Maybe at some point in your life, some of you might be walking this, this road now. You might be figuring, you might be feeling, man, gosh, I feel like I'm edging God out. I'm not feel like God is, God is walking with me. Can I tell you something? Everybody look right here. This is really important. God didn't move. You're the one that moved God out of the way. It's your decision. God didn't move. He's still there. His presence is still there. But you decided to move him off to the side. Students, it's really important that you listen. It's easy to move God to the side when you've got other distractions, other people you want to follow. And so you want to make sure you pay attention to today because sometimes your ego 
can move God to the side or edge God out. So how, do the, how does that look like in the life of, of Samson? Well, we're gonna be in Judges chapter 14. In Judges chapter 14, um, verses one through three, it says this. <clears throat> Samson went down to Timnah, which is a city, it's a town, and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now, get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. Oh, how we have heard this from students. I've even said this before in my life, in high school. Oh, she's the one for me. So glad she wasn't the one for me because I got something better. <clears throat> but we see where Samson is edging God out of his life with his ego through pride. He's using pride. He's not choosing um, within the boundaries of God's plan. God wanted the Israelites to marry within the Israelite country. Why? Because they, uh, they are following God and the Philistines worship idols. And so he had pride and not just obeying, he's just not obeying God. He's, he's going outside. He, he, didn't th he, he thinks he could do better than what's in the Israelites. He wants to go and find someone else. Because man, those Philistine women, you know, they're great. And they look really good. And uh, they cook really well. And all this stuff. And they've got a lot of money. And, and, and whatever. But Samson chose not uh, to, um, to follow after God on this. He, he had pride. Second reason he had pride is this. He did not listen to his father and mother. People who raised him. He did not listen to the advice. He demanded certain things. I need to have this. I must have this. And they advised him otherwise. And he did not heed the advice of his parents. Students, eyes are here. If you're not looking to the advice of your parents, you've got pride built up. You think you've got it there. Some of you adults, remember that time? Remember those seasons in, your life, seasons in your life when you felt like that, you know, you, you could just, you know, rule the world, okay? Uh, that's what these students are going, uh, going through. So whenever we feel like we can do something better than what God has for us, we've got pride, and that's a way of edging God out. Another way that um, we edge God out, we're going to find in uh, Joshua I'm sorry, Judges chapter 16, verses 16, uh, verses one through two, chapter 16 in Judges. It says, one day Samson went to Gaza, which is another city, where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move um, during the night saying, at dawn, we'll kill him. And I encourage you to just kind of continue uh, reading that on your own. But I wanted to let you know that Samson 
Edge got out because he thought he was exempt from obedience. He thought he was exempt from obeying certain things. Um, there, there, there's nothing good about having a prostitute involved. Whenever a prostitute is involved in a story, it's never a good thing. And so Samson, being the kind of person he is with a big ego, man, I'm in leadership. I can do whatever I want. Gosh, we see that even in, in today's culture, right here in America, in our society. Okay, we see, we see leaders who, who are, they feel like they're above the law. Well, Samson walked as if he was above God's law. And how many times do we do that? It may not involve a prostitute, but how many times do we feel like that we are exempt from obeying God's law? When we find ourselves being exempt, feeling like we're exempt from obeying God's law, then we have an ego problem. An ego being, again, edging God out, pushing, pushing him off to the side. So Samson felt like, man, I don't need to, I don't need to have, um, I don't need to obey God's law. I don't need to do this. I, I, don't, I don't need to, um, to, to follow after what my parents tell me. I, I, I don't need to follow their decree when I'm away from home. And this is, this is a huge thing. It, it, and most of these things happen when we're away from home. Because Samson, he, he was away from home. He left home and went to Gaza to find a prostitute. And so when we're away from home, that's usually when some of those things happen. Students, I know I'm telling the students, you know, welcome back. You know, we're at school. We're going to school. So I'm just going to teach you here today. Uh, trust me, I'm going to tell the adults uh, a similar thing. So students, when you are away from home, the, parent, the parental rules and guidelines and boundaries that you, your parents give you, can I tell you something? They don't stay at home. They go with you. They go with you. Because we don't hand you a book with here's the guidelines and you must obey them and you leave the book at your house. We, we, we give them to you and so you could hide it in your heart so you could bring it in your heart and in your mind. And we hope that you carry that with you wherever you go. Students, when you are away from home, don't think that you're exempt from obeying godly laws laid down by your parents. There's certain movies you can't watch. There's certain people you can't hang around. There's certain places you can't go. There's certain, all that stuff. All of that stuff that applies to your home apply wherever you go. Wherever Samson was, it should have applied when he went to Gaza, but it didn't. He spent the night with a prostitute because he can. Who's gonna mess with me? I'm the strongest man. He's gonna mess with me. I'm a judge. I do whatever I want. I'm not even around town. I'm, no one's gonna ever know. So when we feel like that we're edging God out by being exempt from those things, you know you're far, you're far away from God. You're far away from him. Adults, when you're away from home, same thing happens with us. When we're away from home on a trip, a vacation, whatever, the same guidelines that God has for you at home 
You need to carry that through wherever you go. And, and, and can I even say this? The things that we talk about here at church and the guidelines that God has given to, given, uh, to me through his word, okay? As we share that together and as we listen together, I'm listening to myself, as we're understanding those guidelines and those boundaries here at church, guess what? Those carry with us no matter where we go, no matter where we go. And so when we feel like we don't have to obey, that we're exempt from those things, we're edging God out. Pride and being exempt from obeying God. And then the third thing is self-reliance. Self-reliance. We see this in, in chapter 16, verse 20 and 21. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. This is Delilah. Obviously, she told the, uh, the Philistines about his hair, cut off his hair. Many of y'all know the story. He woke up from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza and all this stuff, binding him and everything, you can read more of that. Here's the main point I want to share with you on that. He did not know that the Lord had left him because he cut off his hair. Now, can I tell you something? It's not just about his hair. I think the Lord left him, didn't give him his strength because he kept pushing God out of the way. You're going to sleep with a prostitute? You're going to marry a Philistine? You're going to marry Delilah? You're going you're gonna to tempt her to, uh, are you going to fall into her temptation of, of telling her about the secret of if you cut the hair, cut your hair, all your strength's gone? Are, are you serious? You keep pushing me aside. And so whenever we have self-reliance, whenever we feel like we could do things on our own, we are edging God out. Because Samson got to the point to where if he cut off my hair, my strength's gone. But you know what he thought? This is what he thought. I got muscles. I'm good. I, I could be bald and I still can have this strength. He thought he could do it on his own. But he needed God. He needed the strength of God. Whenever you and I walk in this life and we feel like we can do things on our own without involving God, we are pushing him aside. We are edging God out and we are walking with huge egos. So if we're walking in pride and we feel like we don't, we're exempt from following God and we, we feel like we can, we, we're self-reliant we don't, we don't need God's strength, then we are edging God out. We think that our, our, our position, our reputation, our strength will help us out. We think that. That's what, that's what Samson thought. So when, when you're outside the will of God, when you're edging God out, your position will not protect you 
Your reputation will not restore you and your strength will not sustain you. It won't. As we push God out to the side. So how did all this happen? Was it a, was it a planned fatality? Um, I did a little bit of research, you know, in my, in my spare time of just, you know, sitting around, you know, because I only work one day a week on Sundays, you know, and the other days I just sit at my desk and watch my Bible hover over my desk. Um, and so other than that, you know, I have some extra free time. And so I just opened up, uh, you know, Google and, and, and was doing some research. And, and here's what I found out about this trip to Gaza. So um, the trip to Gaza from where uh, Samson lived to Gaza was 25 miles. And so the Bible says that Samson walked there, okay? So when we go from, uh, from Zorah, where Samson lived, to, to Gaza, uh, I, I figured up how many steps it would take, okay? I didn't actually walk 25 miles, but you can actually do this. Google can help you out with all, all kinds of stuff. So here's what I found out. It takes 56,250 steps to walk 25 miles, it's, I think that's pretty interesting. So 50, if you walk 56,250 steps, you have walked 25 miles. You ought to try it sometime and let me know how that works, for, works out for you. But so Samson, Samson did not ruin his, his life in just one fell sweep. It, it, was, it was something that was gradual. So Samson actually had... 56,250 opportunities to change his mind. He was walking to Gaza. He's heard of prostitutes. Spent a night with a prostitute. While he was there, he met Delilah, Philistine, married her. He knew what he was doing. He had 56,250 steps to change his mind. When I talk to people, about their life, about their choices. It's not something that's, that's, um, that's just planned to the point to where they want to, um, to where they just want to ruin their life. In other words, it happens little steps at a time. So in other words, if you're married here today, and you decide, well, I don't want to be married anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to divorce. You don't go from ha- being happily married to divorce the next day. I've never heard of that. Um, there's some other steps in there. There's probably close to 56,000 steps between happily married to divorce. There are some things going on, and it's a gradual step by step by step. And you have those steps to change your mind. Reverse course and go on. Financial ruin. Going from having everything you need to financial ruin. Now, I understand, you know, people can have stock and the stock market could change and that could actually happen. But I'm talking about with choices that that we make. 
okay? To where you're, you're, you're using God's money and you're tithing and, you're, and, you're, and God is blessing you because you're your obedience. And then from there to, man, you are bankrupt. There's financial ruin in your life. How did that happen? It doesn't happen from one day to the next. There is a step process. There's a step by step by step by step. And it's a gradual change. You never meet students. I've never met a student that said, you know what? When I get out of fifth grade, my goal in life is just to be a drug addict. My goal in life is to be a a drug addict. I, I wanna be an alcoholic. I wanna mess up my life. That's my goal. No, you never hear that. If that's in, they need counseling like now. But you never have people, they plan for that. You don't plan to be divorced when you're married. Hey, let's get married in about five years. Let's get a divorce. You don't hear that. You don't hear of that. You don't hear people that plan to do that. It is a gradual change that happens little at a time. And you have a chance to revert and to go back. And in many cases, you probably have close to 56,250 steps. It's a natural progression. Let's take Samson's, let's use this as as an example. Samson's progression looked like this. He He had lust, then he had sort of entitlement, and then that's when he kind of had some pride issues. Here, here, here's what this says. And, and, and when I say lust, I don't mean just lust of the flesh in, in a sexual way. Uh, obviously, that could mean that. But it also could mean anything you want to covet, anything you lust after, anything you want. Like, I, I want this. Okay, I lust after this. Okay? Um, we had breakfast uh, today at, at church at 10. Some of y'all were, were part of that. And I looked at those daylight donuts that were hot and fresh and, and I lusted after those donuts. And there was like one left and I was like, yes, I could take it. You know, but I was like, what would that look like if the pastor took the last donut? That would not look good. But I lusted after that donut because I didn't have any, you know? And, but, but you can use it in many areas in your life, whether it be food or, or addictions or drugs or friends, people groups, you know, um, sexual, whatever it is, whatever ap- appeals to you the most. Here's what, here's what these three words say. Lust says, I want it. I want it. That's what Samson. Hey, dad, I, I want to marry I want to marry Philistine because they're way better looking than some of these, you know, folks, some of these girls or whatever. I want this. He lusted after them so much to where he, 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 I mean, his dad didn't set him up. He's like, I'm going to set you up. He went and set himself up with a prostitute. Uh, So lust says, I want it. Entitlement says, I deserve it. it. It grows, it builds. And these are just three simple steps of the 56,000 steps that he took. But lust says, lust says, I want it. Entitlement says, I deserve it. Man, I deserve it. I deserve that donut this morning. I'm the pastor. Right? I know we can laugh about that. But let me tell you something. There are people living their life right now, could even be in this room, to where you feel like you're lusting at something and you feel like you're entitled to that. I 
I deserve that. Let me tell you something. I want to remind you of something. You don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything. In fact, we're deserving of death. The Bible makes that, makes that very, very clear in Paul's letters. We are deserving of death. But thanks be to Jesus who came down to this earth and saved us from our sins and beat death, hell, and the grave for us. And we can have a new life and walk in new life and, and be able to, uh, to tell others about him, about this new life. And we can walk in freedom and victory. But we deserve death. But praise be to God. We don't have to face that eternal death. So pride says, I want it. Entitlement says, I deserve it. I mean, so lust. Lust says, I want it. Entitlement says, I deserve it. Here's what pride does. Pride says, I can handle it. I can handle it. Man, I can handle it. I'm just going to Gaza. We don't know. We don't know if Samson had in his mind, I'm going to walk 25 miles and, and I'm going to, I'm going to be with a prostitute. Here's what I think would happen. I think, I think Samson just went to Gaza because he heard about Gaza and he walked there and just want to check it out. And I think he, I think he saw some things that he lusted after. And then I deserve it because my parents will get me a Philistine, so I deserve it. And so pride stepped in and says, you know what? I could handle this. It's not going to ruin me. I could handle this. One night with a girl, I could handle this. Whatever temptations God has in your life, I can handle it. Can I tell you something? Students, uh, there, there are things in your life um, that, and, and, and adults, so this isn't just for students and adults. Um, there are things in our life that can lead to uh, bigger things. Let me take, for example, drugs. Um, drugs, smoking, any kind of those addiction things. You know, you know what they start off with? Vaping. They do. You students who vape, oh, it's nothing, it's a big deal. That's just an open door introductory to 56,000 steps, 25 miles away from home. And you're edging God out because you think you can handle it. We might can handle vaping, but that's just the beginning. There's other things down the road. And so um, just because you think you might can handle that doesn't mean you can't handle the next thing. You can't handle the next thing. Uh, adults, you go out, say, guys, you, you have some friends over or, or you go out with some of the buddies and you go out to a bar. You say, I'll just, I'll just have one drink, okay? I'll just have one beer. And, uh, and you might can handle that. But man, there's a slippery slope down that road. There's a slippery slope down that road. Uh, my, uh, my biological father, which I've only met um, a couple of times, he wasn't really in my life until he died and was close to death. I've shared that story before. His name was Frank. And um, he, um, he was someone that um, he, he, was, he went down a slippery slope. And he ended his life uh, fighting cancer because of 
addictions with alcohol. And, um, and he smoked and, and everything. And so I know in my, in, in my DNA, in my genes, that there's that addiction to alcohol. And so, um, and this, this is, I'm not saying this in a prideful way. I, I don't touch it. I don't, I don't touch alcohol. Uh, I just, and the reason why is because I don't want to be like my, my biological father. I don't want to go down that slippery slope. I don't want to be addicted to that. So I just refuse to even touch it. And so if you are walking in your life and you feel like that you're edging God out, that he's not there, that you, you feel like you, you're exempt from the, the laws of God and you feel like you can handle it. If you see yourself saying these three words, I want it, I deserve it, or I can handle it, your ego has got the best of you and you're pushing God out. You're edging God out. So how does, how does it end? Tell me something good, Pastor Frank. I know what you're saying. Tell me something good. This is all depressing. In verse 22 of chapter 16, here's what we're gonna close with. It says this. But the hair on his head, Samson, began to grow again after it had been shaved. And of course, the rest of the story, Samson was used by God at a big party. They brought him out and they pushed the pillars aside, gave the strength, and everybody died, including Samson. But the hair began to grow back. I know some of you guys in this room probably would love to have your hair grow back, but I'm talking about more of God. God began to fill his life with his presence and his power again. And so just when, if you think that you've gone and you push God out, that he cannot be back in your life, you are dead wrong. You can bring God back in. Just invite him in and just feel his power well up inside you to where you can walk in victory over the very things that cause you to push God aside of your life. So don't be like Samson. Push God aside. Read the rest of that story. It's a great story and apply it to your life.